face all over the place. Warrior Online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. So as promised, um, I have my special guest for Women's Day ready and she's on standby. And the time now is exactly 17 minutes past four o'clock. You were listening to uh, Jennifer Lopez waiting for tonight. And now it is time for us to go straight into our conversation. So online, I have a dear friend of mine and she's a doctor. She's Dr. Indy Guanya a pediatrician practicing at Cecilia Makiwana Hospital at Ndanzana Township in East London, Eastern Cape. In 2010, she obtained her Bachelor of Medicine and Bachelor of Surgery at the University of Bad Bertesbrand. She has been practicing as a doctor at the East London Cluster Hospital Complex made up of Frere and Cecilia Makiwana Hospitals since 2011. And she qualified as a pediatrician in 2019, and she spends 10 years experience in the health fraternity. And based on what I know about the dear friend of mine is that she is an advocate for maternal health. And we'll get, talk about that later on. And I want you to unpack it for us. What does that mean? And how is it achieved? But we will get into it a little bit later. So I want to take this opportunity to welcome you uh, to the show. Welcome to Crossroads. And I am very thankful that you made this time to talk to us about breastfeeding. Thank you so much, Akona. And I'm grateful for that you invited me and for having you on your show. And hello to the listeners as well. <laughs> very awesome. So some of the questions that I'm going to ask you are questions that I, myself, as a friend of yours, always wanted to ask you but you know how it is I never really got to ask you and then some of the questions are questions that I know that uh, our listeners out there are really uh, hungry to hear uh, some answers and responses to those questions so the first thing that I want to know from you is that so straight after internship and your service when did you realize that you've got this passion for children so much that you wanted to specialize in pediatrics. So mine is actually goes back to when I was a little kid. I don't know if you know this, but I grew up in a hospital because my mom yes. is a nurse. Yes. So growing up in the hospital, we were privileged that we actually attended school with patients. So in the hospital, within the premises, there was a school uh, that was catering from grades R up until grade four, I think. So as children of the staff members would then mm. attend that school for that period. And I think that's the time I got to experience um, the, the relationship between myself and children that had come to, um, to the hospital and now we're attending school. I made friends, I got to connect with them at other levels. And in the, I think it was in that time that I actually realized that I have a heart for not just medicine, but for children that are sick and vulnerable. So I think that is actually when it started, even though I don't think I was aware of it as it was happening until when I was probably older and I had myself, even before I went to med school, saying I want to be a pediatrician. I might not, so might not have even to say, So you're trying to say when you were first year uh, doing in medicine, you already knew what specialty you wanted to, to go into? 
Yes, I, I think so. Subconsciously, you know, because okay. I had said as a kid, I want to be a children's doctor. And I think it was because of what I had been exposed to growing up. It was around mm. the ages of eight, nine, where I yeah. sat with children that were sick in a classroom um, and I had to play with them. I had, I made friends, like I had a, a proper friend at the age of 10 that was actually admitted in the ward. So I think only when I was older, can I've come to make this connection, but I think that's where it started for me. Cause I never, there was never a point where I said, what am I going to specialize in? Yeah. You know, for me, it was my heart for children and not necessarily just any child, a sick child and a vulnerable child. Those are the children that I am actually drawn to. And I think it's because of that, um, childhood um, setup that I grew up in, which I think yeah. is a privilege, you know, um, that yeah. I had to be around. Yeah, that's very heartwarming, actually. <laughs> so, question for you is that, um, if I remember very well, earlier on, you started to embark on your studies, uh, specializing in pediatrics, you were expecting a child of your own. So, how was that experience? I have never asked that myself. How was that experience? And also after the child came, how were you coping with the breastfeeding and, and having to work and be a mother and have to study so that you are the pediatrician you are today? Yes, so it was actually months after I had actually received the news that I had gotten a post as a registrar in East London that I yeah. also received the news that I was expecting a child. And my initial thought was, I cannot do this. I'm going to have to go try out something in primary health care, maybe work in a small clinic, you know, so I can be able to manage this. But quickly, something came to me and reminded me of where I've come from and that it has to be possible. So I recommitted myself to kind of having these two, two things going on because my journey had completely changed, you know? So I recommitted myself to saying, okay, I will do my reg, reg time and I will finish my time, but I'll also raise my child and, and do the best that I could. And by the time the child came, fortunate enough, I had um, maternity leave for four months. So I dedicated that time to breastfeeding to bonding with my child to doing the best that I can and okay. I thought I cannot use this time to you know to juggle so I use maternity leave to do the bonding I breastfed exclusively and I went through the same challenges as any other mother because the minute I went back to work I was struggling I was struggling to continue breastfeeding at some point I had to stop because there wasn't time and I had to get back to the program and get back to studying so it was um a journey and it was actually not the easiest but I think the commitment to the the journey continuing regardless of what I thought uh, you know had just happened and I had not planned it but it was you know now that I look at it it was a great experience but during the time it was really tough it was really tough I didn't feel I'm like kind of. you're doing the wrong thing you should actually quit and focus just on the child and not pursue this um, only for only at the beginning only at the beginning yeah. when I was still pregnant that I felt, okay, this won't work. But the minute the child came, everything, perspective changed, you know, uh, children do that. You know, the minute mm. the child came, I felt I had to do this, not just for myself, for her as yeah. well. And also, you know, as a single mother to, to, to prove to myself that I can do this. So at the beginning, there were, there were second thoughts, but once the baby came, I, I was more committed to 
to the journey of being a pediatrician more than at the beginning, I felt. Yeah. So you are saying that uh, children have a way of changing you if you are, or motherhood rather has a way of changing you. So how did it change you as a doctor? It's helped me to connect at a different level with, with, with mothers because on a daily basis, I, I meet different mothers with different yes. struggles. But I, I, I am able to connect more and understand and feel um, and it could be that someone who doesn't have a child also has those experiences. But for me personally, I feel at the beginning, I was not matured enough to be able to feel and connect with a mother who is telling me their stories and their fears and their expectations. Yes, we taught these things in medical school, but some things you need to experience yourself as a mother. So I guess you can, you can empathize more. Empathy and understanding of mother's expectations and fears and anxieties. You know what? I would probably have thought, oh, this mom is overreacting. But now I've got my own child and I also have those moments of being overprotective and, and yeah. all those things. So I think that's, that's how it helped me. Okay. So now I want to know, like we always um, hear these encouraging uh, webinars or seminars on mothers must breastfeed and this is like the gospel. Why is it so important to consistently remind mothers to be or mothers to breastfeed? Why can't we just Absolutely. leave it be? Why let we, them. Yes, like why can't we let it be and be a natural thing? They can just decide what they want to do. Yes. I think it's because there's so there's such strong evidence for breastfeeding. We cannot ignore it. There's such strong evidence dating back centuries, even before there was science, that breast milk was the best, breast milk is the natural thing. And then now we've got scientific evidence of the benefits of breastfeeding for both the mother and the child. So mm. it's difficult to ignore that. And as we see how it can help to alleviate a lot of problems that society faces. And we know that society sometimes sends confusing messages to mothers. Uh, and some people believe they should breastfeed, some people shouldn't. And there's also yeah. advertisements and marketing from the other substitutes like formula. So it's very important that we consistently, you know, engage mothers on this and not give up the fight of saying, mm. even if you tried your first child and it didn't work out, if you have a second child, give it another try. If you have a third child, keep on giving it a try because the benefits far outweigh any other thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. That's how important uh, breast, breast milk is. So you can't so before, just live. Okay, so before we expand more on the benefits, so I invited you to this uh, show so that you can share some very uh, important information regarding breastfeeding. So I saw on your page that there were some activities that you were doing with your hospital. So last week it was a World uh, Breastfeeding Week from the 1st up until the 7th. So I want mm -hmm. to were those activities that your hospital embarked on and how were they received in the community? Unfortunately, with, with the COVID situation, it was really difficult to, you know, get in there and, and have more broader, broader ways of speaking to mothers. But what we did, we used social media platforms, which is what everyone is using these days, um, yes. to just get them across. So there was a video that I was involved in um through the communications department of the hospital very nice by the way <laughs> oh thank you um, 
And I was just sending the message out to, to staff members and, and, and to mothers as well, just to, you know, to spread the way, just to remind everyone about the benefits of breastfeeding and what it's about. I was also involved in a um, um, radio interview with a local radio station, Ganzane um, FM, just also to just, you know, spread out the way. So it's difficult to say how it was received, but we hope that whoever that's listening, whoever that receives the information, shares it firstly, and whoever that here hears this information kind of says, okay, this message must be for me. Would have been nice if there was no COVID and we would have probably yeah. had more, more widespread um, things. But even the hospital itself is has always been working on a baby-friendly hospital initiative, which encourages breastfeeding right through, in any case, the years. But, you know, mm. it's also nice to is just to remind people of what's current and what's happening. But you know what? I think you must um, believe that you've reached as many people as possible because through that meeting, I got to invite you to Salma HD Radio and our listeners to get to hear exactly what is the message. So, so we, yeah, sorry about interrupting. So I want you to paint for us a picture of uh, Cecilia Pichuana Hospital and the type of patients, mothers, and children that you get to see on a daily basis. Okay. Like you've already said, Cecilia Makiwane Hospital is in um, Danzane, and yeah. you all know it's one of the largest townships in, in, the, in the country. But it also does not only just serve the population of Danzane, there's a lot of rural um, uh, towns are surrounding like Alice, King Williamstown, a lot of rural towns that are surrounding uh, that area. So we are a regional hospital. We see on a daily, day-to-day -day basis um, newborn babies that are well and those that are sick. And amongst the sick, um, those include premature babies that are as small as maybe 700 to 800 grams. And we also see the bigger babies, which are TAM, but are also sick. Then we have wards where we see our babies that are between a month to six months and above. I suppose all the way up until 12 years, 13 years. But the ones that um, we kind of have to, the message of breastfeeding goes to are the, the ones that are in the zero to two years. But mm. most of them are most of them are actually born prematurely and they're needing um, breast milk and needing uh, breastfeeding support. So then in those cases, I, I think then now it's the right time for you to tap into those benefits. How do, do those uh, premature babies and the other kinds of, of, of babies that you were talking about benefit from breastfeeding as well as the parents themselves? Okay, so I'll start with the premature babies and the sick yeah. babies in the, you know, in the ICU. We definitely recommend uh, without any doubt the, that breast milk is definitely the best and probably the only choice for premature babies because it helps to strengthen their immune system. It helps to colonize their body with the, the mother's milk and the mother's antibodies, therefore to protect them from the hostile environment that they're in because an ICU is not a normal environment. They're still supposed to be within their mothers and their outside. So mm. breast milk protects them from the infections um, it also protects them from a very common infection of the gut that they get that might even result in their death. So with the premature babies, protects them and gives them um, a chance at life. So that's the premature babies. The sick babies, we still want them to get breast milk because of the antibodies that breast milk has, the anti-infective properties that um, sort of like an antibiotic type of properties. Mm -hmm. 
that uh, breast milk has. So it might just help to just decrease the number of days they've spent in hospital. It might just make sure that the, the illness that they came with is not as severe. So decreases the number of admissions and the children that are not even in hospital, the benefit would be the chances of them falling sick, either from a chest infection or a di diarrhea or um, ear infections are decreased. And um, so admissions are, are lessened, which then goes back to the mother. Because if okay. the child is well and the child is protected, the mother has more time to herself, more time to go to work. So more of a, a, an economy type of benefit as well. Then you have perhaps more, more direct benefits to the mother. The mother's um, risk of getting postpartum depression is reduced. The risk of getting a post-delivery, after the delivery of bleeding a lot is also reduced. And that's the benefit of weight loss that I think all mothers that are <laughs> breastfeeding or, you know, after giving birth, you kind of kind of get back to your to your pre-birth weight, pre-baby weight. Mm. So there's that. And there's longer term benefits for the mother, such as the risk of breast cancer and the risk of ovarian cancer has been shown to be reduced. I mean, for, for the child, when they get to a, the adolescent ages, their risk of getting diabetes and obesity is also reduced. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of benefits um, to the mom, the child, and the community as a whole, um, because you've got a happier mother, healthier mother, and the community stands to benefit and the rest of the family stands to benefit from that. So this is very powerful. So if I understand you very well, you are saying that uh, a sickly child or a premature baby doesn't have an immunity that is well developed. So by breastfeeding, the mother is, is, is transferring their own uh, uh, immunity soldiers, the antibodies that you were talking about, transferring them to the child so that the child can have the ability to build up their own immunity. And then when they come out of hospital, they are strong enough to deal with the outside environment. Yes, definitely. So the mother, the breast milk has it in itself, immunoglobulins, proteins, antibacterial properties that protect the child. So they yeah. protect the gut by feeding, they protect the child's immune system. So as they go outside already, there's that benefit. And the mother needs to continue, obviously, breastfeeding. So the longer you breastfeed, the longer the benefits of, of breastfeeding. But starting is always good and continuing for, you know, for as long as you can. But the longer you do it, the longer exactly. the benefits of, of what is long? What, what is long? So for how long should a mom at least try to breastfeed? Okay. So mothers can breastfeed from zero, which is birth up until two years and above. That's just okay. the general one. But then we then break down breastfeeding into exclusive breastfeeding and breastfeeding with other feeds. And now exclusive breastfeeding being in the zero to six months, you are only giving your child breast milk. No water, no uh, solids, no cereal, unless medically indicated or unless prescribed by a doctor or a nurse at a clinic. So that's the zero to six months would be exclusive. You're only giving breast milk because breast milk has enough in itself. It's got enough water content to support your baby. It's got enough nutrients. It's got enough everything that your baby needs. No, you should not be stressing about formula milk and you know how expensive it is. Yes, so that's where the, 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 the 
cost effectiveness of breast milk comes in for mothers that can't afford it. Uh, as long as the mother's got breast, and, and the important part that I need to mention is that this is on demand. So demand feeding is how you exclusively breastfeed. So you don't give uh, every three hours, every four hours, it's on demand. As the baby is hungry, the baby must feed. So you is that in a matter is that a motherly instinct or how do you know how how, how? no it's, it's, <laughs> not, it's not an instinct it's not an instinct <laughs> that's where we need to teach mothers so mothers um as part of how we're trying to help mothers breastfeed we need to teach them how to see and identify the cues of a hungry baby and and a new mother young mother might not see so it's very important to to teach our mothers and show them a child a, cry, a child will usually cry when they're hungry or they open their mouth like they want to suck on something, they bring their hands to the mouth, they cry, they're irritable, chances are they're hungry. So those cues that mothers need to be shown before they're discharged in hospitals, before they're discharged from the clinic that this baby's hungry. So it could be every hour, it could be every two hours, it could be like my child was breastfeeding all the time. But oh. that's how your milk still gets to come back, you know? Your milk is getting produced as you're breastfeeding. As you're putting your baby to the breast, more milk is coming. But that's uh, something that mothers need to be taught, you know. Some, it's not an instinct. You need to be taught that uh -oh. the baby's hungry now. The baby's hungry. And every time the baby's hungry, put to the breast so that you're not having a child who's not getting enough. Because a lot of mothers say, my baby's not getting enough. But it's because they're not feeding frequently enough. And obviously, okay, if there's issues with milk, then they can seek help. They can I want you to link want. something for me. So how does this help postpartum de depression? Because I will assume that exclusive breastfeeding is very exhausting. So how is, how is that helping the mother? So the breastfeeding can, helps you to bond with your child. Now remember you, you, you don't, there's no in, innate thing that says, I see my baby and I fall in love with my baby. Yeah, you know, and a lot of that it took some time before we could bond. So the we say the recommendation is that the sooner you give the mother their child to put onto their chest, skin to skin, they start bonding. The baby gets to suckle on the breast within the first hour. That helps with the bonding, you know. So that on its own is going to you're going to discharge a mother that's confident. You know, because remember this, there's also the issue of confidence and feeling inadequate as a mother that will add on to your issues of depression if, if there was going to be any issue. So bonding with your child early on and being confident because being confident in breastfeeding makes, of, makes a confident mother in saying, I can take care of my baby, you know, mm. and breastfeeding my baby sleeps nicely because they're on breast milk the mother is less stressed. So as, as much as it's labor, it might look labor intensive, but the benefits of the bond between a mom and a child um, and all the reduced worries of a crying child who needs to burp, who's not burping or who's got gas, all those things are reduced with breast milk. So uh, it's, 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 it's a lot of other scientific things, but mainly more practical things that you are bonding with your, with your baby as soon as possible. And you then that love, that feeling of, being satisfied and happy your baby's here starts early on because it's not a not a magical thing you know yeah. you don't see your baby 
not for everyone at least not for all of us so i guess you kind of feel in control and then that makes you cope better and boost your confidence yes so there's a, there's an element of confidence um in mothers that have started breastfeeding early that are breastfeeding that are feeling um adequate you know you feel adequate within everything that you're doing i want to talk about the other types of moms so I think what we have spoken about so far are the ideal situations where ideally you breastfeed from zero to two years and you do exclusive breastfeed for six months. So that is very ideal. But now I will make an example of working moms who have only three months or four months if they are lucky maternity leave. And then after that, it is not paid fully if they were to extend their maternity leave up to six months. So most forced to go back to work quite very early. So what options, what various options do they have in order to deal with breastfeeding? Can they still cope with exclusive breastfeeding? And if not, what options do they have? Okay, so um, it's quite difficult for working mothers, I must say. Um, I'm a working mother myself. But the one um, option is expressed breast milk. So not necessarily breastfeeding from the breast, as long as it is breast milk that you are giving. So if you've had your maternity leave and your baby has been on the breast and they used to breast milk, you can then transition onto express breast milk. Where you express your breast milk and you store it either in the freezer or um, you keep it in the, in the fridge for a period of 12 hours or at room temperature for a period of four hours and not above that. Then the baby can still be fed breast milk um, while you are at home. For mothers that want to continue and complete their six months of exclusive breastfeeding and who find that they've got enough milk, you know, they can continue to that, do that. I have friends who have continued to express at work and, and stored that breast milk. I tried, but I struggled. So that's one option to, to actually express breast milk, to keep it to storage and someone else can feed the baby. And I mean, obviously circumstances um, differ and some people may say, I don't have enough now, I'm back at work, work is stressful, and they might then have to transition um, to, to formula. But that would then, for, for different mothers, and you look at the different situations, for instance, for an HIV positive mother, we recommend that they only exclusively breastfeed. So if then they've come to a point where they're saying, uh, I cannot continue with breast milk, then they would have to do a, a complete um, transition onto formula um, unless they, they feel comfortable with, with their viral load that's completely suppressed. But that's a that's a more complex setup that would need oh, to be discussed. Oh, okay. Um, because under, and, yeah, because under um, other types of mom, I was going to ask about the HIV positive moms. What do they need to do with uh, when it comes to breastfeeding? Can they still breastfeed? And if they do breastfeed, what are their uh, terms and conditions for breastfeeding? So definitely, we recommend all mothers, all mothers must breastfeed, even HIV-positive mothers, because the benefits of breast milk still outweigh any, any issues and any risks. They must exclusively breastfeed for the period of zero to six months, ensuring that they are virally suppressed. So when they go to the clinic and they're checking their viral loads, they are suppressed, it's lower than detectable, and they are continuing to be on their antiretroviral drugs. Um, so then when that six months comes, um, they may then continue if they are completely well, completely suppressed, and knowing that the they cannot afford formula. So for a mother that cannot afford formula and 
giving formula is more of a risk than giving breast milk. Because remember, okay. mothers that can afford water, electricity, sanitation being an issue. So there, breast milk outweighs the risk of transmission if a mother is well suppressed and the mother is on treatment. So then we'd recommend that they continue breastfeeding. If a mom is now saying, okay, I want to stop, then they can stop. But we still recommend that the first six months, HIV positive mothers will try because the benefits are still there and they, 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 without a doubt, they outweigh the risk of transmission. That's, that's very good to hear that they have that um, option to exclusive breastfeed because as you say, never, you know, to be, to feel that you are deprived from something that is as natural as breastfeeding, it needs to be a choice to stop rather than stop because of your health condition. So to hear that HIV positive moms can still exclusive breastfeed. Exclusive breastfeed, more so than any other mother. I think they, they, we, they need to be empowered because there's a fear, you know, there's a yeah. fear because there's mixed messages that go around, but they need to be empowered more so to know if you have been on treatment since the beginning of your pregnancy and now you're, all your viral loads are fine, everything's good, you're good to go, you know, do your exclusive breastfeeding and at any point where you're fearful or you're worried, you can always consult a, consult a health professional for, for any yeah. advice. Another group of moms that I want to speak for is the mom who is uh, poor, lives in poverty and potentially malnourished. So can that mom, is that breast milk still healthy for the baby? That's the mother that needs to be. <laughs> if I were to choose a mother, if you would yes. give me a group of a whole bunch of mothers and say, choose one mom that you want breast milk for, I'll choose that mom that cannot afford anything else. Because like I said, breast milk is cost effective, it's safe, it's available, it's here. You don't pay anything for it. So that empowers that mom to actually save up that six months so that they can do more for their child later on. That the risk of malnutrition, which can lead to, to, to deaths, children die yeah. from malnutrition even this day. So malnutrition and diarrhea, very common in sets in, in overcrowded areas where sanitation, like I said, yes. water. So that is the mother that I would select that needs to breastfeed the most. Um, regardless of any other thing, the, the, the benefit of breastfeeding, the, what will protect that child is breast milk. Uh, what will help that child to reach their potential in life is starting off with breast milk. Okay. So they, they definitely now we are in a very difficult times. There's the pandemic, COVID-19. So what should mom do? Uh, so with, with COVID-19, the, the recommendation that's come from the World Health Organization is in keeping with what we've been saying, benefit over risk, you know. So a mom that is COVID positive or, or suspected COVID is encouraged, if she's well, I'm going to say this, if she's okay. well, she and her baby is well, they're together, she's encouraged to breastfeed. Breastfeed, but take the necessary precautions. So washing of hands before and okay. after feeding your baby. Washing with soap and water of your breasts before and after feeding the baby. Ensuring that she wears a mask throughout the time she spends with the baby. If she can keep her baby at a one meter to two meter distance, you know, when she's not nursing and feeding, then that would also be fine. If a mother maybe feels a bit worried or is a bit sick, then she could express 
and gives and, and someone else can give the, the breast milk to the baby, depending on this family setup. But if there's no one else, the best place is for the baby and the mother to be together. For again, those same benefits I mentioned, skin to skin contact, bonding, making sure that the mother's milk does not dry up. Because if you separate her for 10 days or 10 to 14 days, depending how long you're gonna isolate the mother, then by the time the mother comes out of isolation, she might not have breast milk and she might not ever have yeah. a chance of bonding with the child. So the benefit of breast milk still in even the case of COVID-19, if mom and baby are both well, the, the benefit outweighs the, the risk of transmission. Yeah, because I can just imagine the anxiety that moms have that if they continue to breastfeed, they're in close contact with their children, with their babies, so they're going to expose them to the coronavirus if if they potentially have it as 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 the mom. So, um, so you're saying that there's guidelines on how to make sure that they continue to breastfeed and still protect themselves and the baby from contracting the virus. Yeah, so there's guidelines, the more extensive, but just for a well baby, well mom, it's yes. as simple as we encourage continue breastfeeding or start breastfeeding because the, the COVID is gonna be for that period and it's going to go. Then you are left with a child who was never breastfed. But obviously for the sicker babies, sicker moms are more complex, um, guidelines that people can can find and they are readily available on the internet as well. Yeah. So possibly uh, through these campaigns, what I, I think can possibly happen is that the moms that cannot breastfeed by, by, by virtue of not producing milk or medical conditions that prevent them from producing the milk, they get stigmatized and feel that there are less of moms, moms that who can breastfeed anytime and on demand. So what do you say to those mothers that they want to breastfeed but they can't? So how do you how do we empower them to feel, feel confident as moms and not feel less of a mother just because they can't breastfeed? Yes, sorry. Those mothers, I think what's important is that we encourage them and try to teach them on the correct ways of preparing the alternate um, feeds. Because what is important is that then the child must get the next best option. Yes. So for instance, the cleaning of bottles, the, the sterilizing of bottles, the washing of hands and preparing um, formula feeds and the ensuring that you're mixing the formula feeds the correct way. So if a mom is going to use uh, formula feeds, then they need to ensure that they are mixing them, they're preparing them the right way so that the baby then gets, you know, um, the, the best of the formula feed, but it does not, I mean, even the formula itself does say breast milk is the best choice. So I think mothers know as they go and buy the formula that this is not the best option, but if they mix it and prepare it in the right way, then, you know, the, the risk of diarrhea as well will be lessened because hands are being washed because the diarrhea is coming from, they've not preparing the hands for sanitation, not being able to sterilize. So if those things can be covered, and the milk is afforded, they can pay it and um, they can always have it when it's needed, then it's, it's, it's fine. We, we support those mothers. We, we, we are with them. We're not forcing mothers to breastfeed, but we say, here is an option that is natural, that's safe, that's effective. For mothers that, are, that can, uh, we encourage that they do so. For those that is not possible for uh, reasons, it could be any reason, any reason is valid, but they also need to be supported and, and do that as long as it's done, prepared the right way. Mm. So preparation is very important. Now, 
Um, to close off, I want you to unpack for me what is uh, maternal health and why are you so passionate about it? Is it that we can achieve? Is it achievable? Yeah. So maternal health is the health of a mom basically pregnant, before pregnancy, during delivery and after, after having the baby. And what's important is that we need to make sure that our mothers are healthy and happy because I believe that a happy mother makes for a healthy baby. So if we can encourage mothers and support them and make sure that they get positive experiences during their, that maternal um, period, period. You know, the pregnant, we, we kind of, like I was talking about confidence and building their confidence and their sense of adequacy and the sense of self-efficacy, we're making for, we will have potentially have healthier babies. So that's why I'm passionate about it. It's, it's connected to child health. So it's actually maternal and child health that I'm passionate about. But I believe that you cannot have healthy children if your mothers are not healthy. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. And I learned so much from you in this few minutes of talking breastfeeding, maternal health, and learning about what mothers can do and be able to uh, boost their confidence because motherhood is a foreign thing up until you have the first child and that anxiety we can only imagine what it does to a mom and it is good to know that breastfeeding can actually boost a mom's confidence and be able to raise their child uh, successfully so thank you so much Dr. Indy and I hope thank you so much for having me it was lovely yeah, and I hope you are open to us inviting you again uh, in the near future. Definitely, definitely I'm open to, to having more of those conversations because I yeah. think we, we're going to get some more with them. Yeah, so thank you so much. Uh, goodbye. I'll share with you uh, the video because I did record our conversation and be able to share on all social media platforms for people who missed this opportunity to engage in our conversation. So, bye. Bye. Thank you. Yeah.